Good Gab, sponsored by Skillskin, a nonprofit organization empowering individuals with disabilities through employment. Hey, Good Gabbers, got another week and a big surprise for you today. Uh, it's really my pleasure to introduce to you today uh, Police Chief Craig Meidel. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, well, it's uh, good to hear, you know, what's going on in the police department and all the work you all are doing right now. And, you know, what's happening in community policing these days? Yeah, wow. Where to start with, with that? So, you know, one of the things we tell our officers when we hire them is, is community policing isn't just the job of a special unit. It's every officer's job to engage with the community. You know, so we, we really tell them, we want you getting out of your cars when you can. You know, we, we tend to be a call-driven agency, but when you're not on calls, we want you getting out of the, the car, talking to people, spend extra time on that call, you know. And again, officers, when they log on, there's a screen full of calls. Uh, but unless there's a priority, something in progress, we would prefer spend an extra couple minutes with that victim. Talk to them, you know, if they've been burglarized or anything like that, go through their house, give them some pointers. Uh, maybe you can help them, give them some advice of, of what can what can the the city do for them to help them as well. Things they just not may, may not just be aware of. Well, that makes sense. You know, that happened with my parents. Like, they're, this is maybe a decade ago now, but... Like they had a burglary at their house, but the officers that came and talked to him, they spent some extra time. And I remember my mom commenting on that. She's like, I just felt like safer. She felt like taken care of. Good. And that was a, it was a good experience and a terrible experience time, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And you know, when I was growing up, I've been burglarized and you just feel so violated, you know? And one of the things too, we tell our officers is, you know, after someone's been, unfortunately, the victim of something, quite often you are the first person they talk to after that. You know, and what we, we do can either help them move on and heal and, and move forward or, or can send them further spiraling into darkness. So spend some extra time with them. And uh, I'm glad to hear that they're out there doing that. It totally happened. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, one of those shining moments that my mom talks about uh, during that, for sure. Um, well, I know there's just so much going on in Spokane. And I know the last time you know I saw you, it was kind of a Leadership Spokane event. And we were, uh, I was think you were talking about kind of a new initiative a couple of years ago when some mental health professionals were kind of pairing up with officers. I thought that was so cool and we keep reading about like it's working right is that still holding true it is so we were one of the first cities in the state to receive a grant through um, the washington association of sheriffs and police chiefs which of course they funneled that through the the state legislators and it was a program where we we co-deployed a police officer with a mental health service provider in the car they rode together every single day so we were able to get that off the ground through a grant and uh, that has been wildly successful. And one of the things that we have learned over the years is that our officers on patrol now are constantly calling for them. They're asking, is that unit available to come and respond to this call? And they, they will literally, so their job is, is to not just go there and put a Band-Aid on it. Because our officers, you know, they're call-driven. Sure. Go to the call, handle the call, because yep. there's a screen full of victims Yeah, there's waiting. more to come. <laughs> Absolutely. And so what we wanted our co-deployed team to do is don't just put a bandaid on it, spend the, the time necessary to line them up with resources. And so the demand has just absolutely skyrocketed. And uh, it's a partnership with the Sheriff's Office, Spokane Valley. So if we have police, if we have Spokane police officers working that day, they will go anywhere in the county they're needed. 
if they have Spokane County Sheriff's deputies riding with a mental health professional, they will go anywhere in the county. So you have this agreement. Everyone's going to help each other. Absolutely. And, and awesome. working together with all these organizations has just been a force multiplier. It's allowed us to to work with those units for longer hours and, and later into the evening as well. It's been very successful. So we figured out like how as a region to like keep this funded and, and integrate this kind of policing we have so yeah. we still have the gr- we, we renewed the grant and nice. that is good through um, the middle of next year uh, but because of the success even if that grant money disappears we all acknowledge we have to keep this program running so it's here to stay cool Oh, I love hearing that. It's just so neat. Well, there's so much cooperation, it seems like, between, you know, the region. I got to see that recently. I was uh, part of, you know, uh, the fires out in Medical Lake, and we were out on Clear Lake there and just uh, saw some of your officers. Just everyone was fitting in where they needed to. I bet it was a wild couple of days because it wasn't just out there. It was up north too, right? It it absolutely was. And so it's interesting. Spokane is just one of the most, I think, one of the most interesting places in the nation. You know, we get a lot of folks that move away from Spokane and then they come back. And we, um, my understanding too is when it comes to even military like Fairchild, we are one of the top three locations in the nation where when people retire from the military, they retire here. We have something special in Spokane. And that, that also applies to our law enforcement. We work very well together. We support each other. Um, there's times where we may not have enough resources. We need their help. They may not have enough resources. We help them. Uh, we work together in a, we have a couple different units where we work together. We share property crimes facility, records, um, forensic, uh, forensic uh, staff that go out to crime scenes. So there's a lot of co-deployed teams or teams where we will do this for you, you do that for us. And it's just something you you almost have that small town feel here while we're growing significantly every year. And I I love hearing that. We do hear a lot of uh, you know that cooperation is kind of like a, a thread uh, with many uh, different industries here in Spokane. And uh, you're right, our guests. A lot of our guests are actually retired military that end up staying here. Um, well, what's your story? Why why Spokane? Okay, so I, I will try to keep it short. It's actually a long story, but I will keep it short. So We're I'm, all ears. All right. So I'm an Air Force brat, speaking okay. of military. My dad was in the Air Force, uh, born in California, lived there when I, uh, until I was about five. Uh, and then actually my folks divorced when I was four. So my dad went to Michigan. So at five, I moved to Michigan with my dad. Um, and then f- he was deployed there. And then from Michigan, moved to Illinois. Uh, so I lived in Michigan from five to eight, lived in Illinois from eight to 13. Um, unfortunately, my dad passed when I was 13. So I moved back to Seattle at 13 to live with my mom. Uh, and then I knew, I knew I was going to go to college, but I didn't want to go to college on the West side, right? It just, I'm an introvert. So too many people, yeah. right? way too many people. <laughs> so I actually went to uh, college at uh, Central Washington University. Absolutely. In the Berg. Yes. Yeah, yep. All right. Wild, go Wildcats. <laughs> And so what I, I, when I first went there my first year, there's a lot of scrub, scrub, deserty, semi-arid land around there. And, and I wasn't used to that. I'm like, man, this place is like a desert. Yeah, but where's after, the green? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then so after that first year, though, I just fell in love with it. Yeah. Um, and then started applying. I knew I wanted to be a police officer ever since I was four. Well, I wanted to do one of two things, police officer or military. Um, so I joined the Marine Corps Reserves when I was 17, went to boot camp down in uh, MCRD, uh, which is Marine Corps Receiving Depot in uh, California, uh, which was really weird going to boot camp when you're 17. I you're bet. this little scrawny kid and you're with all these other men. That was that was probably my most largest growth spurt in my life. Yeah, you was, grew up real fast I, in that month, I, right? I did. <laughs> 
Um, so did four years of college. Um, I'm Bravo Company in Yakima. We were activated for Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Uh, so went over there for about five months. And when I got back, turned 21, I just started applying everywhere. I wanted to be a police officer. So Spokane at that time had a two-year list. They only tested once every two years, which now blows my mind. We test at least every quarter. Because it's just their... They had enough officers back then. Yes, okay. they did. So um, it was hard to get into this police department. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. An example is um, I tested. Uh, one of the tests I took was uh, Pierce County, and they had something like sixteen hundred people sign up for two positions. Oh, yeah. And I remember thinking, why am I even wasting my time? But I just remember thinking as well. Well, the answer is always no if you don't try. So I might as well try. But um, Spokane was the first department I tested for. And uh, it took them probably, trying to remember, probably a year or so till my name popped up on the list. I uh, went through the process. They hired me, and uh, I, just, I just fell in love with the place. But, you know, what an interesting story when I was, when I was in Ellensburg. So when you're, when you're getting on I-90, you, you basically turn right to go to Seattle, or you can go left. And at the time, I yeah. remember seeing Spokane. Yeah, what's, what's this place? This place? <laughs> yeah, what is this a village? Yeah. I mean, do they have electricity? Do they have running water there? I didn't even know how Further to Further into the desert. Yeah. You know, greens here to the right. Yeah. Yeah, desert absolutely. Left. And so one day when I was testing, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a left to Spokane. And and I remember the day I tested, I was standing on the parking garage uh, downtown looking out over the city. And it was just almost one of those surreal moments where it's like, I may end up being a police officer here. So it was just really a, a mind trip for me. And oh, that was awesome. So like the parkade. Yes. Like up there. Yeah. So you're seeing the courthouse and the top yeah, just the whole city. Yeah. And I realized <laughs> this isn't a village. This, they actually do have running water, electricity, and more than one stoplight. So so that was the beginning of my journey here. Uh, went through the academy, started January of 94, and, and uh, fell in love with the place. Absolutely love this area. You were so close to 30 years. Yes, next Holy January, moly. 30 years. I know I only look 65. <laughs> yeah, but looking I'm... good, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a heck of a career. So so you just you started as a, a what kind of officer? Uh, so everyone starts out initially as a patrol officer. So I uh, did patrol um, and then decided, you know what? I, there's a couple different things. I wanted to do police work, but I wanted to look at it from a different angle, like a detective, being a detective. So you're still doing police work, but you're you're processing cases, you're putting together packets, you're you're working with judges, uh, which was really cool at that time. Judges were like on this pedestal uh-huh. that you never saw them, or like do they even really exist? Um, so I did that for about six months, but um, had also taken the sergeant's test, so I made sergeant, and then from there just went, you know, sergeant to lieutenant to. Um, where did I go from lieutenant to major? Uh, Chief Kirkpatrick at that time promoted me from a lieutenant, as in internal affairs, uh, to a major. And then we had the new chief came in. Chief Straub came in. He made me his assistant chief. And then uh, just different different styles. We had different styles, so I rolled back to lieutenant. And then uh, within a year, made it to captain. And then again, to assistant chief. So I went up. So that leadership has been a part of your story, though, it, from really since the beginning it, it really yeah. has been yeah it really has been and I'm, I'm fascinated by leadership because there has to be uh you know a five billion books out there on leadership sure. and and most of them have good nuggets um, but you know when you're the best way for me to learn is by watching other people what worked for them that's me too yeah and what didn't work for them and and probably one of the best leadership experiences i had is when i first made sergeant um, being blunt, you know, you have this insecurity because as an officer, I'm only in charge of myself, right? As a sergeant, I volunteered for that position. Now I'm in charge of eight or nine other people and I'm responsible for them. And so I remember looking at one sergeant at the time 
and he was, you know, a man's man. And, and when he spoke, people listened. People didn't that challenge authority. him. Yes, yeah. everything, how he projected yeah. himself, how he spoke. Um, and so I'm like, I'm going to be like him. So for about two weeks, <laughs> I tried to be like him. And I failed miserably. Um, so the most... You're of, finding your own self. 100%. Huh. And so one of the things I, I tell people now is be authentic. Don't, you can't be someone you're not. Now, that doesn't mean you can't take different pieces from others and try to incorporate them as yourself but don't try to be someone else. I was miserable for two weeks that I was trying to be someone I wasn't. My team was miserable. They're looking at me like, who are you? And so for me, that was probably one of the most profound leadership lessons. You're quick at learning lessons because it took me some years to figure out authenticity just until I came to SkillSkin. Like I was a salesperson forever and like authenticity was a big lesson that I learned at SkillSkin. And just to, you know, that's how I wanted to show up as a leader, be in service to others. And man, just things started clicking after that. They absolutely yeah. do. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, people enjoy working with you more. You're your family life is better, um, and you're happier because you're not trying to be something you're not. Now, one of the things I tell folks, though, if you're a jerk, don't be authentic, right? <laughs> yeah. I, this I, behavior might need to change. Yeah, that's not where we want you to be authentic. But, um, you know, emotional intelligence, too. You know, a lot of the research is showing now how important emotional intelligence is, even above, you know, in, in many regards, book knowledge and emotional intelligence. So how do you work with people? Because everybody's different. And, yeah. and we also call it situational leadership, which is based on the person you're you're working with or the person that you're around, um, some people are looking for different things. You know, just a real quick example. Some officers, they want a sergeant who, I don't want to see you on my calls. I just want you to prove my vacation. I don't want you around at all. Others, they want you on their calls. They want you joining them, being They might them. even need that, right? And they might need it, yeah. yes. So you have to be able to understand that. You, you have to look at the person that, or the people you're with and adjust while still maintaining your core values. I love hearing that because it's I'm thinking about our own company and you know how it's broken down and that's when we got better is when that situational leadership it just we had to tailor things to each person and we built a better company when we started to do that that's everything fantastic. wasn't cookie cutter anymore and that that felt good yeah that's yeah. fantastic your employees are more happy yeah everyone's happier so did you meet your your wife at, in the police department. I did. Okay, so real quick story there. I say that because I served on a board with her at Spokane Housing Ventures briefly. She was just leaving as I was coming on. And so I got to, you know, uh, meet her for maybe five or six meetings, but just a, an awesome person she, and a great mind. She yeah. is. She is amazing. You know, I like to joke. Um, Probably her best strength is her taste in husbands. Naturally. Uh, but it took her seven times to get it right. But you know what? She finally did. And that's totally a joke, by the way. It only took her five times. Um, so when, when you go through the academy, in the hallways, they have pictures of all the prior graduating classes. And so I was a reserve in Ellensburg for about a year while I was going to school. And uh, one of the officers from Ellensburg was here for training. So I, I bumped into him during a break in the hallways of the, the academy building. And we're looking at it, and I see her in the very front row. And I joke to him, mind you, I'm 23 years old. I had more testosterone uh -huh. than I needed. So I just said to him, not even knowing who she is, not even knowing if she was married or dating. And when I pointed to her, and I said, I'll be dating her within a month. Mind you. What Marine, bravado. Yes, Marine Corps, too much testosterone, too young. And um, the joke is it actually took me two months to start dating her because she was on my first team. I wasn't going to ask her out um, with my field training officer. I was not going to ask her out. Uh, at the beginning, because if she said no, that makes you have to work very awkward. I can imagine. So I waited <laughs> until the end of that uh, field training officer and uh, asked her out once I was done. So uh, What a it, trip. 
It, so, it took me two months. Uh, yeah. So, so Spokane had a lot. Like you came here and it was like, okay, now I'm in this this new work line of work. You know, you're trying to get to relationship someone you're going to end up with for a long time. That's just incredible. It, yeah. it is. It has been a, a it has been a phenomenal journey. It really has. And just seeing Spokane grow. And I remember when I first got here, we all called it a town. You know, right. it's not a city, it's a town. And that was meant as a compliment where people are friendly, people are engaging, you know, people would wave. I still remember when I was driving uh, down the street home shortly after I moved here, people I didn't even know still waving at me. And I'm like, this is so cool. This is like being in a small military town or on a military base. And uh, it's just interesting to see how it's grown. And obviously, as we've grown, we've had some, some bigger city problems uh, come with that as well. However, we still, I, I, uh, I was getting um, my eyes checked recently, and there was a woman that moved here from Tennessee. And I said, why did you move here from Tennessee? Isn't Tennessee like the Bible Belt? Everyone's friendly. And she goes, the people in Spokane are the, the friendliest of anywhere I've ever been. I and love that was, hearing that. And that was just recently. I'm like, yeah. that is, it is so cool to hear that. See, so that's something that, like, I remember saying that as a kid. You know, I've been here a long time, too. And um, I'm glad to hear that that's still translating because that's a core principle. If our, can, if our community can stay strong like that and stay positive like that, we can overcome all sorts of stuff. Absolutely. Huh. Yep, I totally agree. Well, so yeah, we, there's growing pains. What any observations that you have? You know, you've you've been on the force for thirty years almost now. Like just observations about the community. Like what are we doing well? What can we you know do better? Anything like that? I think you know me looking at our community. One of the largest strengths we have is that we have people that care. Uh, the the number of people that are willing to get involved, to be uh, to volunteer for different groups, be on committees, be on boards. Uh, it's it's amazing. Uh, there's so many people that want to be involved. Um, and I think that's what one of the things that really makes Spokane special is because we are, we are now getting to be a bigger city, but we still have the, that small town feel in many regards. Um, but the number of folks that want to be involved. Um, and then, so that's, what's working well. Let me interject on that just for a second. So I'm thinking about my own self wanting to get involved and you know, as you think about like, a citizen like how does a citizen help how do they you know help i was i was down at like clark's cleaners the other day like i was getting this this thing uh, cleaned and you know i i saw someone and i was like okay this person's definitely you know selling drugs like it was clear i'm like but i didn't know what to do so i just drove on and went off with my day is like if you see something do you say something now like how do people engage I, so that's a very that's a very good question because one of the things you'll see and there's some true horror stories from our other cities where uh, crimes are occurring multiple people witness it but nobody did anything and by that I don't I, we're not asking community to interject yourself and expose yourself to, to danger but calling 911 um, and so for that as an example you know one of the things we definitely would want folks to do is to call to call in and so going back to the the spokane and how it ties in is because we still have community calling us on those things and that's a good thing unfortunately so is that like crime check is that what, what i would do if like this you um, know if i because i want i'm like you said people care i know i care i just i'm looking for different ways to engage in a positive way absolutely yeah. if it is a a crime of violence in progress or a uh, property crime in progress definitely 911 is what we we prefer if it's something that's not necessarily an emergency but should be brought to our attention or it needs a report crime check would be the ideal way to go in the end i would say don't hesitate to call 911 if you have any doubt because they will make sure they transfer to the appropriate person so you don't have to make that call like right that. absolutely yeah. yeah and when in doubt call 911 absolutely um so th what you just said right there is that that drive that 
that in, just internal, I want to help. I want to be a part of helping this community. That's what we have. And I think that's what makes us uh, really, really successful as a community. It is overwhelming the number of folks that want to get involved and are willing to stay involved as well. Well, we sure um, seen that uh, like on this podcast, a lot of, you know, our listeners are just trying to figure out, you know, how can they engage in doing good in this world? And so we have a lot of people, you know, in the nonprofit space, you know, how do we get involved in there? And I just, I think it's so awesome that you're here to help us, you know, understand, you know, like, how do we help too? Because it's like, it's all of our community, right? Like, and we all especially as citizens, like we have a duty, in my opinion, to, to participate and absolutely yeah. create what we want to see. Yep, absolutely. Oh. It goes to that, you know, it, it takes a, a village to raise a child. It takes a village to make sure the village stays safe as well. We need to have everybody involved. Um, and, and people have different philosophies of, of how they want to be involved or what they want to see those outcomes. And I think that's so going to what's working well, what's not. I would say that the the one thing, and I think you're seeing this really across the nation as well, and I'm not going to get go super deep, but is is people have their philosophies, and, and some some of us are just so entrenched, you know, as opposed to let's work collaboratively. So I think one area that that we could probably grow as a community, and, and this isn't unique to Spokane, is, is that willingness to collaborate and to say, we have different views, but I don't hate you just because of your views. Help me understand, why do you think that is a good way to go? And let me tell you why I think this is a good way to go. And one of the things we'll find is the common ground and the foundation yeah. that we all share is that we both want the same thing, which is a great way to, to start solving a problem is both wanting the same thing. I know. I wonder how, um, I guess just talking about it, I suppose, is how, you know, we can help people find common ground. Like, that's what I was trained in, in, like in school, college was, you know, the art of argument. It was, you know, communication and rhetoric. And so, I, like, I learned early, it's like, oh, yeah, it's totally okay to have opposing views to start that conversation. It, it yeah. is. It, and it comes back to, we, we talked briefly about leadership as well as when we are in these groups. And I've seen some of the leaders in these different meetings I've been at do a phenomenal job because they make sure everyone's heard and they make sure that the, the environment is meant to be a friendly environment. It's like we can disagree. Uh, but they also will ensure, the, you know, this is the leadership lesson as well, is who are the quiet people? And, and on my staff, I get quiet people in my meetings as well. And so I'm very intentional about bringing you know, their voice yeah, in. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, so I think that, um, you know, making sure that those people that want to be involved but are quiet, invite them to the conversation. But also uh, you don't have to be in a formal leadership position to help with the, the kind of the tenure or the tone of how those meetings are going as well. And you can kind of step up and, and just looking at it in my senses, you're that person of saying, okay, well, hold on. It sounds like we both want the same thing. So let's talk about that and let's work through that together. And then we can kind of be that model for the rest of the group as well, whether you're in a formal leadership position or not. Yeah, that premise works anywhere. You can be in a friend group for that matter. And Absolutely. just with that attitude. Absolutely. Pull people together. Absolutely. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, Chief might all love it. Any other, you know, leadership lessons that while we're on it, just because, you know, you're in it. You're in it every day that, that might like that you could just, yeah, share with us. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, one of the, the biggest things I learned, so I've been in the chief's position now for about seven years, and when I was going out to a lot of these different community groups, one of the things they, they expressed to me was, you know, when you guys come here, all you do is want to talk. You don't listen. 
you know, and I'm in my mind, I'm like, yeah, we have so much data that I want to get out there. Right, yeah. So for my first couple of years, you know, one of the things I was very intentional about was going there and, and listening to them. Um, so for me, one, probably one of the best, on, on top of being authentic, one of the best tools that I have used, and I've used it because it's the right thing to do, is when you're dealing with something that's very emotional, you have to validate their emotions, even if you don't agree with it. If you come to me with a problem and I just tell you, well, here's the facts, we're not going to, we're not going to get very far. But if I validate and, and I address your emotions with it as well and, and express to you, however, I express that to you, that you're, you're, you're not wrong to have those emotions. But one of the things I see in, in many of these meetings is there's just no, no validating their emotions. We just dismiss them because we think they're wrong or we don't agree with them. So when I go to these different groups and these different meetings, I truly do validate their feelings and their emotions because for them, whether I have facts or data that, that don't support that, it's very, very real to them. So I always validate how they're feeling. Even if I'm like, that's there's not, commonality right there. They're you're absolutely starting, is. You're starting it off. Love that. Yeah. And even, anyone can, can utilize that technique. Right. Absolutely. Even if you have, and it's human, right? And, it, and cause you're caring. Everyone wants to, to be heard. Someone. Yes. Yeah. Everyone just wants to be heard, you know, and, and that is one of the challenges. Give them an opportunity to be heard. Yeah, absolutely. Something I've appreciated just, you know, cause we don't know each other, but I've obviously you're very visible. So I get to see you and I've loved that, that you're out in all sorts of parts of the community. And I remember it was chief Mangan. I was a kid. Was, did he, was he part of it when you yes. came on board? Yes. Well, that guy was chief. everywhere too. And like, and I see like you doing that. And I just, I don't know, just as a person, I just appreciate that because you're, you're visible, you're accessible and, um, you can just see you care. So it's like, yeah. thank you. Absolutely. I appreciate <laughs> it. It's funny that you bring up um, chief Mangan because he really is, uh, someone that I aspired to be like because he was everywhere. And, you know, that that takes a lot of energy, you know, especially if you have a oh, wife, yeah. you have kids, you have five girlfriends on the side. Totally joking, <laughs> by the way. I hope my wife doesn't listen to this. It does. It takes energy. And you have to be willing to put that forward. And, in fact, I would say when you're in a leadership position, you have an obligation to do that. You give up your weekends. You give up your evenings. Um, that's why when, uh, at that time, Mayor Condon asked me if I would be interested in the position, I said, let me ask my family because it is a family affair because right. your family is, is going to see less of you. And it's a it, full commitment. It is. And, and you have an absolute obligation as, and I'll say this in any leadership position, but especially as a chief of police, police, you owe it to the community and you owe it to the men and women on the department to be out there because the community wants to see you. They want to interact with you. They want you to be approachable. They don't want a, a chief that just sits in the office and makes decisions. You have to be out there with the people that your department is impacting, either positively or negatively. And so that is really what um, my driving force was. And so it's, it's just, it's the facts. And, and I learned that from watching Mangan because he was everywhere. I think he had a little nuclear reactor for energy. <laughs> He's like, you know, yeah. I, I, kids have these nuclear reactors, like where do you get your energy? And, and I think he just, he had just unlimited energy and I really admired that with him. Well, I, I can see it in you and I bet those kids that have, you know, have met you over the you know number of years and get to see, you know, the chief come to their school or be, you know, at their playground or wherever it is. It's probably I'm hoping they have a similar reaction in 30 years that, you know, I did, you know, when when Mangan was around. 
Like I def, I'm appreciative of that about you and what you bring to the table. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. I hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah. Uh, well, so I'm just thinking that I'm just, yeah, really happy that you're here. Really appreciate your time. Um, any other, you know, parting thoughts for, for our audience, anything that people, you know, should be aware of? Um, no, I, I will tell you, I want, I do want to take the opportunity to thank the community. Right. And, and I think our community has been so supportive of our police department. You know, law enforcement is always challenging anyways. The last several years obviously has been very, very challenging. Um, and I think one of the things that has really helped our department out is the level of support we've had from the community and the vocal support, the, the support expressed for us. And, and one of the things I, I absolutely acknowledge is we are humans. Humans make mistakes, and we want to hold those folks accountable that, that are making mistakes, that are doing things they shouldn't. Um, but I feel like this community has really acknowledged the fact that, yep, we know that you hire humans. We know some of them are going to make mistakes, but we appreciate our police department. We know you all have a very challenging job to do every single day. Uh, and I think I, I want to take this opportunity, and I appreciate you for the opportunity, really to just thank the community because that has been so tremendous. We have had laterals come in here from, from other departments, and they have expressed how much they appreciate Spokane because, you know, if they're in a drive through getting coffee, they say, I can't buy my coffee. If I'm inside, someone else is buying their coffee. Things like that, people offering to buy them lunch, people waving at them, people coming up to them. And it's embarrassing. Officers get embarrassed when people come up to them and say, hey, thank you for what you do. Thank you for your service. They do. They get embarrassed. Yeah. And if you ever do that to an officer, you'll, you'll be like, they almost like they don't know they how to shy respond. away. You're like, what's they, happening? They do. Yeah. But you know what? Deep down, they appreciate that. And um, so I just, I'm so thankful for our community and that support. It has been instrumental in, in helping us be successful. And we need it. Well, you heard it here, everybody. Yeah. Keep your support going. Thank your local police officer. Chief, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you. It was good talking with you.